Hello and welcome to the Vocal Advancement Podcast, a podcast for singing teachers by singing teachers. I'm your host, Tom, and this is Heather. Hello. And we are your hosts in this journey through the wonderful world of all things voice. So this is episode one of our podcast, and we are having a great time so far recording it, aren't we, Heather? We are indeed. Too much fun. I don't think we should really be allowed to have as much fun as we're having and call it work, but we are, and we will, and we shall continue to do so. <laughs> yeah. So me and Heather are doing this podcast because we like having a little chinwag about the voice, and we like talking to other people about the voice. You do realise you're going to have to explain that word again now, Tom, because anyone who didn't listen to our trailer episode will be going, oh, what yeah. on earth is that crazy Scottish man talking about? What is a chinwag? So chinwag is a fourth century term for this amazing vocal technique. No, just kidding. <laughs> chinwag is a very British term, and it refers to having a good old chat. You know, we would get a cup of tea and a digestive biscuit and we'd have a good old chinwag. It's the context you would use that in in a sentence, okay? Except I'd have a custard cream. <laughs> oh, or a bourbon. A superior, superior biscuit. <laughs> but we can I'd debate that biscuit. later. You know. Yeah. If, if you have Everybody's opinion, now sitting thing. I was going to say, if you've got an opinion <laughs> on what the best biscuit is, and obviously the Americans are sitting there going, You'd have a biscuit with your tea? Surely you'd have that with gravy. And no, we're British, <laughs> so a biscuit is what you would call a cookie. And it is to be dunked in a cup of tea. But mm. some biscuits Ooh. are superior to others. But we digress. This has nothing to do with the voice. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a common theme in our podcast. <laughs> yes, digression is today's word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so, episode one, and we have a fantastic interview to share with you all with the wonderful Kerry Obert. And uh, we were so excited um, for Kerry to come and do a webinar for us, for um, not just our teachers, but any teachers who wanted to come and, mm. and attend her. And we did have teachers from all over come to listen to what Kerry's been doing and her research on, on the tongue in particular, which was some absolutely fascinating stuff. Her class was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's um, good. It really was. And, and, and so, you know, first interview that we did. And what do we do? We, well, no, we, it's not we, it's me, isn't it, really, Tom? What did I do? Yeah, don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> it goes further than that though <laughs> go back further because do you not remember we were sitting preparing for the webinar oh, and Carrie's like right. I'm online just now and we're like no you no, we'll, we'll we see you in an hour and she's like no 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 it's now and we're like oh okay okay so that was our first little oopsie daisy moment. Time zones are not my thing. Up. Time zones always make things difficult, don't they? And so there was definitely a mix of time zones. So there we were. I was out walking the dog and got a message from Tom going, Kerry's online now. And I was thinking, oh, no, I thought I had like an hour to kind of want the dog, prepare, get in, settle down, make sure everything was working well. And then obviously mm -hmm. no time nope. at all. It was quick run in, get everything switched on. And then my Mac decided that, you know, computer said no. <laughs> it was the not computer going. Said update. The computer said update. <laughs> the computer said, I don't want to connect with this podcasting software whatsoever. And I thought, well, maybe as you IT people often say, 
try switching it off and switching it back on again, right? We've all been told that. <laughs> Tell me we've not all been told that. So I switched my Mac off and then when I switched it back on, it decided to do the biggest update you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was awful. There were a few choice words coming through WhatsApp at that moment. <laughs> oh, my word. I was not happy. And then, uh, so in the end, yeah, no, then it did load up, didn't it? But then it completely yeah. wouldn't speak to the podcasting software at all. Nothing. My mic yeah, wouldn't work. Yeah, your mic wouldn't work. So I, I ended up resorting to using my phone. So all plans of having beautiful crisp sound and beautiful camera all set up nicely with perfect lighting. No, you've got me on my phone with probably <laughs> an angle up my nose. Who knows? So if you're listening, that's fine. If you're watching this on YouTube, <laughs> you're not going to get the best angle of me for this interview. <laughs> There we go. Oh. We've, we've all got to start somewhere, right? And that's we where we yeah. started. So, um, and it's I fine, suppose... you know. The interview in the end was brilliant. Oh, the interview. Kerry was brilliant. She had some <laughs> fantastic things to do. And, and we should probably just go straight to that so that you can listen to the important stuff and why you actually yeah. came here. <laughs> and if we look, but the, just understand, if we look flustered in the recordings, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's turn it over to Kerry and let's hear a little bit more from Kerry. So Kerry, thank you for joining us today on our podcast and we are looking forward to having a chat with you and getting to know a little bit more about you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I wonder if you can... We want to get to know you, so I wonder if you can tell us a bit more about your background and how you got started in voice. Um, well, you know, back when I was uh, in high school, I was, of course, in all the musicals and and I was in band and choir and I played guitar and I sang in a band and I um, decided I wanted to go into some some related field. And so I went to college and got a degree in musical theater performance. And um, while I was in college, I met a voice scientist named Joe Estel. And uh, we were bringing Joe to our campus annually to do some workshops and things. And I was just fascinated by the way that she worked and by um, kind of that bridge between science and art. And I had always loved anatomy. I actually took an anatomy course in high school that was an elective. And I, I loved it. And so I remember saying to her at some point that I wanted her job. And, um, and she sort of chuckled and laughed. And, and, um, and, but that really was the, the beginning of my interest in speech science and uh, acoustics and kind of all of that. And so when I finished my undergraduate degree, um, I actually did an internship with her in New York City for a year. And, and, um, kind of an apprenticeship type thing. And then I came to Ohio State and got my master's in speech pathology. And this was back at a time when there were only really a handful of people doing this kind of crossover um, work. It's so much more common now that we have people who are kind of bridging these these disciplines. Um, but but back when I was beginning to do this, it was it was very new. And there were just a handful of really bona fide laryngology clinics in the country. 
And so when I finished my master's degree, um, I was hired by the same university, which is the Ohio State University, to come on uh, and work at their voice clinic. And um, again, there, at that time, there were probably, you know, only 10, maybe, maybe or less of these kind of voice clinics in the country and with bona fide laryngologists. And I was lucky enough to be in one of those places. So I spent the next 20 years working there, almost 20 years. In fact, I'm still on faculty there for a research, research work. Um, but uh, that, that kind of brings us to now. You know, I've done a lot of teaching and we've um, done uh, a singing health curriculum. We started a singing health program that that uh, teaches students to kind of um, cross train between music, speech and hearing science and medicine. And um, we would have them, students who were training in that program would actually go into the operating room and watch surgeries. And, and so um, I'm now working more freelance from home and uh, enjoying, enjoying, uh, you know, doing a little bit more of my own stuff now. There we go. Now? Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> I was just saying that was really cool. I'm like, I want to go and watch surgeries. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it is a neat thing to do. I've seen every episode of Grey's Anatomy. It must be very similar, surely. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, the first surgery I ever watched, my supervisor said, I was, I was still training at that time, and my supervisor said, oh, you should go watch this vocal fold medialization. That's a really short mm -hmm. surgery. It's not very bloody. The patient's not put to sleep. And I actually went to the surgery, and they unfortunately opened up the wrong side of the neck. And oh. um, they had the wrong vocal fold <laughs> in mind. And this was, by the way, this was not at Ohio State. I should preface that because people will think it was at Ohio State. It was someplace else. And um, and he got in there and he'd, he had kind of prepped the wrong side because with a vocal fold medialization, they carve a little place out of the thyroid cartilage and move the vocal fold over. It's for paralyzed vocal folds and things. Yeah. And anyway, so he did all his prep work and I was sort of on that side watching and then he said okay go ahead and put the scope down so I can see where the, where we are and as soon as they put the scope in he realized what he had done and 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 he said <laughs> oh my gosh which vocal fold is paralyzed and the room just went dead silent and um and he ended up hitting a blood vessel and this person bled and bled and bled. I was so unprepared for that first experience, which my supervisor said, oh, you'll be in and out. It'll be really quick. I mean, it was like this all day ordeal, you know? Oh, wow. And, and actually that surgeon was a That's brilliant crazy. guy and a brilliant surgeon, but it just shows you that things can happen. And, you know, um, I, I mean, I guess this is now why before every procedure, operating rooms now stop and they actually say things like, we are operating on the right vocal fold and everybody checks their records and yep, it's the right vocal fold. And it's sort of like, you know, before the patient goes to sleep, yep, it's the right, <laughs> vo you know, whatever. And so yeah. there's, there's sort of do these timeouts now where these things don't happen now. And so, or hopefully they don't happen if you're doing all these, you know, so anyway, but yeah, that, that. the upper, the operating room is, is unpredictable and, um, you know, but, uh, but I often Great think yeah, my, my first experience was not all that great. So 
but it didn't seem to put you off though like you, you know you're still here still doing it <laughs> no i remember just wishing i'd gotten some lunch beforehand because I, <laughs> I, it was sort of i remember it was around the noon hour and i was trying to decide should i eat or wait and oh it she said it'll be really short i'll just get lunch later and then you know hours later i was like oh i should have gotten my lunch <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all a learning experience, isn't it? For sure, (laughs) for sure. Eat lunch first. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah, unless you're unless you have a weak stomach or something. No, I love all that stuff. I I can I can definitely tolerate looking at, you know, the inside of a body. You've done so many kind of scopes and things. Like, oh, I mean, what what? What have you seen change over the time that you've been doing that? Like, are there certain things that that you've noticed, particularly with singers, trends happening in terms of vocal health? For sure, for sure. I I mean, I don't I don't know that vocal health issues have changed so much um, as technology has certainly improved. So our ability to take a look at things has gotten better and better. I mean, the endoscopes have gotten progressively smaller. And we used to have to do an oral scope if we wanted to look at pathology because it gave us the most magnified view of vocal folds. And we would do a flexible scope in through the nose if we wanted to look at function. And over the years, the technology improved enough that now we can really just do a, a flexible scope for almost everything and get good enough pictures that way. Um, so we no longer really have to choose which kind of endoscope we're using, we can get, you know, really, really good pictures with the flexible scope and we can watch both function and assess for pathology. And so that has changed. Um, I mean, certainly our singers are dealing with different issues in terms of um, we're seeing a lot more people who are exploring extended vocal techniques and um, we're seeing lots more uh, folks who are uh, on a journey, uh, you know, lots more transgender clients. And um, but I, you know, I can remember we had a we had a transgender client the very first year I was ever working at Ohio State University. And so, I mean, that that has always been something that we have we have done. Um, it's just I think it hasn't been as kind of out there. And um, I don't think the public has been quite as aware of that. And um, so, you know, lots lots of issues through the years, but I would say more people kind of exploring extended vocal techniques. Um, I'm also hoping that the stigma of voice disorders is beginning to dissipate a little bit. And I I don't know if it is, but, um, you know, we, we would see a fair number of people who were famous and um, and often they would come in on like a Saturday morning and their tour bus would sort of pull up behind the building and, you know, it sort of come up the back staircase kind of thing. And so there's always kind of been this, this stigma. And of course, we wouldn't do that to an athlete. You know, we would never say, mm. um, oh, that guy has a, a torn meniscus. We should sneak him into the clinic and we should, you know, not tell anybody and, and you know, this, you know, God forbid this would get out and... And um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of expected in, in an industry where they're um, in athletics or whatever. And so I, I'm hoping I, I like to say I've seen just about every singer probably in Columbus, Ohio, over <laughs> over some time, you know, and, and, and further reaching areas as well. But um, 
but I think, you know, voice teachers and, and, um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of shame involved and there shouldn't be because at some point in almost every singer's career, you will need a voice doctor. And it may not be yeah. any fault of your own. It may be that you have sinuses or allergies or, you know, or you've just, or you got COVID and now you've got something post COVID. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping we can kind of change that narrative a little bit more as time goes on. I think on. it used to be very much like that with regards to having a voice teacher as well. You know, it was yeah. kind of like you didn't want to share with the world if you were a, you know, international singer that you were actually having voice lessons. Yeah. But like you say, in the sports world, it was quite accepted that everyone would have a coach. That's um, right. I feel like that's changed somewhat over the years, but there is still that little bit of, oh, well, I don't need a voice teacher. I can just belt it out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And access to information. You know, I think that's another thing that we've seen change over the years is I can remember doing scopes and voice teachers would often come in with their students who needed a scope. And I can remember voice teachers saying, are those what vocal folds look like? <laughs> wow. You know, and they'd never, ever seen them. And and, you know, if you're if you're new and you haven't seen vocal folds, by all means, go on YouTube and look at them because, you know, there are loads of uh, there's, you know, this information is accessible now in a way that it has never been accessible before. And mm. um, so, you know, hopefully I, one of the funniest things I remember one of my patients one time looking at the picture, we'd always bring up the vocal folds and talk through the exam afterward. And one of my patients said, are those my teeth? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was my all-time favorite because you know we often heard is that some some other part of my body or um but I yeah. often think do you only have two teeth? <laughs> Where on earth do you think these are your teeth? So anyway, but lots of funny stories out of the voice. I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Um, I guess we should probably ask you about the tongue, seeing as that was the class that you did for us, was all on the use of the tongue. And uh, I'm just interested as to what kind of brought you to the conclusion that that was what you wanted to focus your research and your time and your energy on. Yeah, I guess you don't wake up one day and sort of go, I want to study the tongue. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I often think this about people who want to be like the foot doctor. Who on earth wants to be the foot doctor, right? I don't know. Um, but and of course, they probably think the same thing about my work. But um, but for me, this really came out of kind of realizing that people were mismapping what was actually happening in the throat. And um, because when I saw people singing and we were scoping lots and lots of people who came from just our music department, not, not because they had pathologies, but because they were training with us and integrated into our clinic. And, and so we were always scoping people for fun or, you know, whatever, as part of the training program, letting speech pathologists practice. And, and, um, and when we saw these great singers, they, they, did not make wide open spaces. That's really a misconception that when we sing, we sort of have this open space in our throat. In fact, the space gets smaller when we sing. And this is for all types of singing. And so, you know, you'll sort of see when they're breathing, everything's, the throat's kind of nice and open, the vocal folds are open, the pharynx is open. And then as soon as they start to make any sounds, 
everything gets kind of compressed and condensed. So our perception of that, our kinesthetic perception or proprioception is very different than what's actually happening. Mm. And often I think if people try to make space in their throat, a lot of times I actually think they end up making spaces that are too cavernous. Oh, so they kind of end up with these kind of woofy, woofy kinds of sounds that aren't very interesting. And, um, and so I think, uh, yeah, I began to just realize that we were using the tongue in ways that, that the tongue was being villainized. It was being blamed for things. And I was kind of going, I kind of think it's a primary player here. And, mm -hmm. you know, the tongue is the most flexible structure we have. And I was seeing people use the tongue in all sorts of interesting ways to shape their pharynx and kind of at the back of the, at the, you know, at the back of the tongue and thinking nobody is talking about this. So as I, as I said, this kind of evolved from just doing 20,000 scopes <laughs> over my career and, and looking at tons and tons and tons of singers and just kind of seeing this disconnect between what was actually happening and what people were talking about. Yeah, that, that whole thing with an open throat has been around for many a year, hasn't it? And some people are still sticking with that. I mean, what do, what do you feel about it when you hear someone? I mean, do you ever get students coming into you saying, well, my last teacher told me I had to sing with an open throat, so I've been trying this and it's not working. I well, mean, how do you that, deal with that? that? Then we start peeling the onion. You know, we start saying, mm. okay, well, what, what feels open? And where do we feel that opening? So maybe they're feeling some velum lift, or maybe they're feeling not constricted. You know, maybe this is what we're talking about, that they're not pressing the sound. Um, so we start trying to kind of peel back the layers and say, can we get more specific with our language? Can we get more specific with our mapping? And really, so I, I rarely say your teacher was wrong. I mean, that I, because some of these things that we say are pedagogically helpful to students and without sort of being in that moment with that teacher at that moment kind of knowing what they actually said to the student it's hard for me to say that in that moment I might not have said the same thing you know if they were pressing or squeezing I might have said we want the false vocal folds more open or we want the velum <clears throat> more raised or something like that so I can understand where this terminology comes from. But I think it's just kind of zeroing in and trying to get more greater specificity to what we're doing. Yeah, and let's face it, we've all said things in the past that we <laughs> regret later as we get more educated. I mean, I know how you have, I sound like speaking for everybody there. I, mean, I don't know about you, Kerry, have you found that as you've discovered more things, you look back at what you were saying or doing 20 Absolutely. odd years ago and thinking, whoops. <laughs> Absolutely. Cringy. Yes. And, and I mean, one of those things is, is yeah, how we used to teach, how I used to teach twang. And I've kind of completely changed my, my thinking on that. But I was also going to say, you know, sometimes I read, my student was told X, Y, Z by their previous teacher. And I think careful there, because you were not in the room. Mm. And uh, we know from medical research that people misinterpret what the doctors say. And I recently had a student who went in because I was a little concerned. She had a really odd kind of neuropathy kind of going on, um, something nerve related in her voice. And I sent her back to the doctor because I wanted to make sure she wasn't developing a paresis. Mm. 
or paralysis, and which can be linked to things like breast cancer and or, you know, heart or lung disease or something. And so I thought, I really, really just want to make sure that everything's okay. So I sent her back and she brought back the exam and she said, I'm so happy. He said, nothing's wrong. Well, then I watched the video and I heard him explaining to her that she does have some nerve related issue um, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, isn't that interesting? What she heard and what he actually said were two completely different things. And so it's, it's just <laughs> fascinating to me. What she heard was, I don't have breast cancer and I don't think it's this kind of nerve injury. You do mm. have something that's causing some twitching or something going on here, but it's not, you know, in her mind, she was just, she was fearful that there was something seriously wrong. And so as soon as she heard that was okay, she sort of tuned out the rest of what he said. So I'm always cautious to say, let, that, let's that's make so interesting because I mean, from the point of view of a voice teacher, so, you know, I don't work in a clinic, I'm not looking at, at their vocal cords, but I do refer students to specialists when I think there might be something going on. So what, how would you advise then voice teachers who have sent a student in? Would you take your, would you take your phone? Record it? Take your, yes, mm -hmm. take your smartphone with you and actually record the doctor reviewing the exam with you. Point your camera toward the screen so you can see the screen as he's or he or she are kind of going through the results and um, and and actually record what the doctor is saying. And that way you've got that information at hand. You can go back and listen to it again. But the medical research says that we only get something like 30 or 40% of what our doctors say to us. And so I often think that's probably true in our lessons as well. Speaking of online, Tom, didn't you want to ask about this uh, whole Nashville squint malarkey? <laughs> Yes, yes. I saw this in the Facebook group the other day, quite the debate going on in one of the voice forums and it was the Nashville squint. It sounds like a new it sounds like a new dance craze or something, you know, everybody's doing the Nashville squint. But um what what is the Nashville squint and what kind of brought you to realizing what the benefit of that was to people's voices? Well, I, and I was saying, I don't know if I made this name up or I've, I've just called it this so many years. I really don't know. I, th I kind of think I kind of think I heard a producer talk about it. And um, but at any rate, it's something that is certainly ubiquitous in CCM music. I mean, we see it a lot when people hit the high notes and um, they're, you know, they kind of scrunch their nose and they're kind of pull up their lip and you sort of and so. I've been calling it the Nashville squint for many years just because uh, uh, that, like I said, this was, I was working with a lot of Nashville folks at that time and, and, um, and would see it in, in kind of, it seemed to be kind of ubiquitous and it really seemed to help them as well. And, um, and so what I think it does, I've been thinking about this over the years. It's in every kind of singing, by the way. It's not just Nashville. You know, I said, call it call it fish paste if you want to. I don't really care what you call it. Um, I'm not. Of course, somebody on the forum was like, I'm from Nashville and I've never used it. But the funny thing was, I, I actually, I actually went onto that person's website and I found a picture. I found an image of them when they hit the high notes. They they were using it. And I said, yeah, I was like, you do. You do use it. It's on your high notes, and it, the evidence is right here on YouTube. So anyway, but um, but you know, I have found this to be super helpful when we want to get some twang in the sound, when we want to get some brightness 
in the sound. I found it to be super helpful in the high range. And the question is why? And the debate that was going on was all about, you know, people were saying things like, well, I hit a high note and I don't use it. And I do just fine. And it's kind of like, well, you're actually not using a lot of twang in your sound. And so when we see it in opera, for example, it's in brighter, bright, brightly timbred voices like Beverly Sills, Natalie Doucet, Juan Diego. It's not in the ooey gooeyer Renee Fleming kind of production. It's not in um, Cecilia Bartoli. It's not in. So it kind of depends on what brightening strategy you're using. But for sure, in our CCM kind of brighter musical theater qualities, bluegrass, which is where I was, you know, seeing it in country music, Carrie Underwood, um, Jennifer Hudson, you know, these gospel kinds of sounds. Um, but if you're if you're doing kind of the yeah, if you're doing anything that's sort of in that space, um, this seems to help. And. I don't think it's I don't think it's a motor command thing. I do, in other words, I don't think this signals the motor command that somehow helps with twang. I think there's something physical that happens with this. Um, there's also seems to be some acoustic benefit. Um, but this, if you just even lift your lip, like take your fingers and actually physically physically lift your lip. <laughs> That's beautiful. And you don't sort of let, and you, in other words, you're not letting, you're not doing it with your muscles. You're, you're doing it with your hands. Right. Mm. Notice that you feel some transfer all the way back across your palate, you know? And so there seems to be something physical for this. And I've just seen it work over and over and over again, pedagogically. It's one of those, it's one of those quick fixes that often just fixes, really the, fixes, the, fixes the tuning, it fixes things. And, and I think it has some physical correlation. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's the fascia connection that does that helps transfer the load. I don't know if it's to do with origins and insertions. Um, I've Every once in a while on a Saturday morning drinking my coffee, I'll start looking at origins and insertions and trying to figure it out because I'm so convinced that this is helpful because I've just seen it work. So my, my post was, Sometimes we use things we don't have scientific evidence for. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And they just work. And I don't know why they work, but they work. And until somebody says it's harmful or, you know, maladaptive, I, I've never seen it be maladaptive. And I've only seen it be super beneficial. Is it obligatory? Do you have to do it? No. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. You know, but... I mean, would you would you liken it to like sometimes when um, I want a student to make a more pharyngeal sound, I'll deliberately get them to screw their nose up, and you find they get the attitude of it better. Would you? Is that a similar thing? Do you think then? Do you think we get like an actual physical effect by? Mm, yes, I think we're in, so like that. that. Was... That was the whole point of kind of where the argument went. It's kind of like is the emotion driving that just because they're doing the emotion of it. They're, they're doing more pharyngeal narrowing. And I contend that there's actually something physical happening because of this lift. And it's an old pedagogy tool. I mean, it's been in our, it's been in our pedagogy literature for 400 years. And, mm. you know, that, that we sort of have this kind of the zygomatic lift or the whatever. And it seems to have some physical correlation. I don't think it's just that they're into it or they're acting more. Sometimes I use acting as a way to get them to do it. 
Yeah. And sometimes I just say, lift your, lift your darn lip, you know? So it just depends on, um, you know, the person and kind of how we're working. And so, um, I, I recently worked with a guy who'd worked with a lot of other voice teachers and he had, he was flat in his upper range and it was just an immediate fix. And he says, it's been a game changer, you know, and we got, we were really direct with it. Just, you know, lift that lip. When you get to this place in music, lift your lip. When you get to this place in music, implement some squint. Um, and it just was an instant fix for him. You don't have to do it through the whole song. You know, I don't want people thinking they have to walk around squinting an entire piece of music. I mean, when you watch, I love to watch, do you ever watch the James Corden um, car karaoke's? Yeah, yeah. Truffle Truffle, you know, they're they're so fun because they they got close ups of them. You know, they're right. Whereas sometimes on the stage, I I've often noticed that just when they're getting ready to do what I want to see, the camera zooms out because <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a live production. And it's like no, go in, go in. Um, or you know, you want to see what their tongue is doing, and that's when they turn their head. But these carpool karaoke's are brilliant because they're right up in their faces in the car. And, and, and they're singing along. So they're, you're not hearing kind of like the edited, um, you know, or modified version from the studio. You're hearing like what they sang with yeah, in the car. And you will see over and over and over again in these carpool karaoke's with like, like I said, karaoke or uh, Carrie Underwood, you know, Jennifer Hudson and uh, all these people that they're, they're definitely doing national squint on their high notes. Yeah. I'm going to be watching that in a whole new way from now on, Kerry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I Like I said, I love that whole series. I've, I've binge watched a lot of them. So uh, yeah. some people do Netflix. I do karaoke, carpool karaoke. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think that's everything we had on our list of must ask you about. Um, is there anything else, Tom? You wanted to, have I missed I, one? I, I just, can I put in a plug, plug for oh, my please do. shameless plug? Okay. So if anybody's looking to connect with me, I do have a, a website called obert, O-B-E-R-T, voicestudios.com. So you can always, there's a place on there where you can send an inquiry. And so if you would like to email me or anything, it'll connect you to me that way. Um, but I'd love to do a post. I have a continuing education website called getvocal-now.com, getvocal-now.com. And I just put a course together. It's um, called Endoscopic Interpretation, Endoscopic Evaluation and Interpretation. I'm trying to read backward here on my computer screen. And um, this is not just for people who do endoscopic interpretation. I wanted to give singers and voice teachers a, a view kind of from my perspective of being behind the camera. And so what I basically do is I take you on the journey from the moment the endoscope enters the nose, kind of through, we talk, spend a lot of time talking about what the role of the velum is, how it functions, um, how to tell if it's muscular or not, what does it do when it's more muscular, what does it do to the sound. Um, and then we go on into the pharynx and we spend a lot of time looking at the tongue, the pharyngeal walls, kind of the whole structure in the pharynx. And, um, and then finally down into the larynx and looking there. And so this, this is really a detailed course for singers, speech pathologists, voice teachers, and um, it's user friendly. So I don't want you to think that it's going to have a lot of medical jargon that you won't understand. Um, it's a hundred page workbook. 
and it's got eight hours of pre-recorded video lectures. And so you can just sort of come and take those on your own time. Uh, encourage you to print out the book because there's lots of there's just probably a hundred illustrations in here and so it's a really detailed work and it's got kind of my theories of tongue and pharyngeal walls and all sorts of things in there and so i welcome you all to come and take a look at it uh, it sounds fabulous just uh, going back to what we were talking about before do you think that's going to be useful for voice teachers who maybe do have to refer their students over to you know a laryngologist you know to be able to then watch the video back of their meeting and have a better understanding as to what they're Abs looking at absolutely absolutely and again this is also as i said almost every singer at some point in your life you will end up at the ent i guarantee it i mean almost I think you'd be a really you'd you'd be the 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 odd one out if you get through your whole career and you don't need an ENT at some point. Um, and so it also helps you to kind of interpret the jargon that they are using, and it helps you to kind of understand. So if they you know if they say you've got vocal fold edema, that doesn't mean cancer, you know, um, or mm. whatever. And so you can kind of have a better sense of what what is this that my student has and is this significant or not because we do go through the voice disorders in this course and people actually get an opportunity to learn to rate endoscopies and so um, by the end you know you can sort of take a look at your students endoscopy and kind of know something doesn't seem right here maybe I need to send them for a second opinion uh, because what I'm seeing and what the doctor's seeing kind of don't seem to line up and we do have that and so it kind of helps you interpret whether or not you think they've had a fair exam um, and, and like I said, really detailed information. That's yeah, that fantastic. sounds like a really, a really useful resource for teachers to have in their studios, you know, especially as they start to work with more professional singers that are maybe going to the doctors more regularly. So having that ability to understand and decipher what's being said. Yeah, so thanks. So we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that so that people can access it. Thank you. Yeah, great. My my people that are taking it are telling me things like they're keeping it on their piano for reference and yeah. how useful it's been to just refer to it. And it's got a big long glossary in the back so you can quickly look up terms and that kind of thing. That's awesome. great. Yeah. I, th I yeah. think we both need to do it, Tom, and then invite Carrie back do. so that we can ask all our questions yeah. after we complete do it. Do it. Do it. I'm telling you, do it. This is this is my blood, sweat, and tears in this course. I I started writing, and I I thought I was going to do a couple hours, and I just couldn't shut up, and I kept going, and it was, it was sort of like you know, three months later, I sort of emerged from my house with my hair like you know Einstein's, and uh, like I did oh, I it. it. I did it. You know, but. <laughs> anyway, I've been I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so it was kind of like unplugging the dam, you know, because mm. it, it just felt like a pouring out of of so many thoughts and ideas and things that I'd been kind of thinking about, and I just finally had a, an opportunity and the time to do it this winter. So go get yeah, it, go get it. Yeah. yeah, on it. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you guys so okay, much. Thanks so much for joining us. So there we go. We got there in the end. We did, yeah. And it turned we out did. well. And it was good. And, and yeah. I have to say, 
since having Carrie and seeing her webinar and then obviously interviewing her, I have spent many a day trying to perfect my Kermit the Frog impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, playing around with the time. I mean, I've always done a good Shakira. Oh, baby, you talk like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good in my head. It's not good. But, but um, what about you, Tom? Can you can you do the Kermit the Frog? I can't. I was trying it. Like I, I, uh, I no, I'm not going to embarrass myself trying to do it. <laughs> no, you leave that to me. <laughs> yeah, I can do Miss Piggy. Oh, Kermy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but yeah, I am. Um, I find it interesting because when she was talking about the tongue and she was saying how it can be a tool to sometimes make the voice sound a little thicker or weightier than it is in, in a good way, it kind of made me realize a couple of my students were trying to do it but not doing it in a in a, conju a way that was kind of helpful to their voices. And so when I realized that and helped them with it, that kind of got us to where we wanted to be instead of being just a little bit stuck. So that was really helpful yeah. for me in my own teaching. I agree. I, I've definitely used um, some of what she was sharing with us since. And particularly, I have a student who suffers with a bit of a vocal tremor mm. when she sings and getting that tongue, uh, particularly what Kerry was showing us with getting the tongue working in the middle of the tongue. So not the front of the, but the middle of the tongue, getting that strengthened and working has made a big difference to her. So, I, yeah, I was I'm very grateful to Kerry for sharing that wonderful wonderful knowledge because yeah i'm taking lots from it definitely that yeah that was one of my particularly favorite moments from the webinar was when she discussed that case and the the you know how how it had gone down and what had happened like it we i kind of feel like we're so lucky as voice teachers and voice professionals when you get to work with somebody like that where you can give them incremental improvements and help them like it's such a privileged thing to be able to do that with people so i feel very lucky that we get to do that aim eh? Yeah, I yeah, I love it. That's that is the best, isn't it? When you see somebody improve like that and you get that buzz from it, it's yeah. You feel a bit like God. <laughs> <laughs> I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I am not endorsing that whatsoever. Um no, it was good. It was really good. It was a great class. And so, you know, if you haven't seen it, you can you can still rewatch it, can't you, John? You can, yes. So there's a recording that you'll find on our website. If you go to vocaladvancement.com and hit that event tab, you can purchase a recording of it. And if you mention this podcast using code IVA-podcast, you can have $5 off just because we're nice like that. Oh, that's nice. I know. Yeah. yeah. I know. You know, you oh. got to reward people for listening to our ramblings about biscuits and, you know. Yes. Thank you. Genuinely, anyone who has listened all the way through this, you've done well. Thank you very much. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah, well done. Please come back next time. <laughs> and listen, if you've got comments, if you've got feedback, if you just want to tell us what the ultimate biscuit is, please mm. do come. Where can people contact us, Tom? Where can they comment? Yeah, so you, you can leave a comment in the video on YouTube or you can send us a message on Instagram. Tell us your favorite biscuit to dunk. Or you can send us an email, hello at vocaladvancement.com, and we will compile a list of the favourite biscuits from around the world. Oh, my word. We should totally do that. 
Oh, that just reminds me. I've got a packet of salted caramel Tim Tams from Australia in my cupboard that one of our you teachers sent not. us. Yes, I have. Was that and Darren? he sent me. It did. He sent me a box. He sent me a care package, and it had uh, regular Tim Tams, white chocolate Tim Tams, and salted caramel Tim Tams. And oh my, now, my! That's impressive. Now Darren often has given me a packet of Tim Tams when we've gotten together at our teachers' conference, and I love him for it because they are the best biscuit. Oh yeah! If you've not been to Australia, you've not had a Tim Tam yet, then you know you're missing out. <laughs> you do. They're so. Mm. So tasty. They are. See, we digressed again about biscuits. Again. Yeah. Must be getting close to lunchtime. <laughs> I promise this is a podcast about singing. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we'll be talking about sausage rolls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are, those are uniquely British, too. So, mm. what are we talking about next week? Well, who have we got next week? Well, not next week. In two weeks, on the 29th of September, we are talking to Mel Toy, and she is going to be telling us more about her research into performance anxiety. And that was a really interesting interview, so I think people are going to enjoy that one as well. You absolutely will. So stay tuned. If you haven't already, if you're on uh, your, the, your podcast platform, can people can subscribe? I'm such a technophobe, clearly. Yeah, Tom, you need to explain point. this sort of thing to people like me that don't know how to do this. How do they make sure that we land on their phone every couple of weeks? Yeah, so you need to find us in your favorite place that you listen to podcasts, wherever that may be. So just search for Vocal Advancement Podcast and then look for the follow button so that you get told when there is another thrilling episode of Biscuits with Tom and Heather. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Stay no, tuned. seriously yeah uh so you can do that and follow us and then you'll get all the notifications you need to know when we're about with another episode or if you're on youtube you can subscribe to the youtube channel and click the bell and it will notify you when another episode of this comes out Love and if that. you want to be really organized get on our newsletter and then you'll get an email when the episode comes out and you can get straight to listening to biscuit of the week <laughs> I'm so bringing I'm hungry now. biscuits next time. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I bring my Tim Tams, but I don't think they're going to last that long. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for being with us and taking the time to just enjoy a little bit of a chin wag about the voice. We look forward we'll see to you seeing next you time. next time. Yeah. yeah. Take care. <laughs>